Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, April 15th, 2019. I am David Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, let's get right into some spring ball talk at quarterback. You know, it wasn't a great day for Justin Fields, who was just 4 of 13 for 131 yards, but he did have a 98-yard touchdown pass to Ben Victor. Um, a lot of fans seem concerned, uh, but I, I just can't stress this enough. I mean, just 13 attempts in a game quote unquote a game or they're not even playing real football they're playing touch football um he looked good as a runner just uh what were your impressions of justin field steve yeah i think we addressed this a little bit in the facebook live after the game that we posted and, and my comment was i didn't see anything that led me to believe that these guys uh should take the summer off i think uh both he and matthew baldwin have plenty of work to do getting on the same page as the wide receivers some passes were uh, off the mark at times, it seemed like, and I think that some of it uh, had to do with the offensive line was uh, breaking down at various points. I don't think we've seen the true offensive line yet because Thayer Munford didn't practice, and Jonah Jackson from Rutgers isn't there yet. So I would guess that uh, the wild card on this is Jonah Jackson because we know for a fact that Thayer Munford is going to start at left tackle. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But if Jackson is the real deal, then he plays guard and Bowen plays, plays tackle. If Jackson is not the real deal, then uh, Bowen plays guard and either Petit Ferrer or Alabi plays uh, tackle. And that's one of the it's – either, it's either or. It's one or the other. And they may rotate guys throughout the season. But I think the consistency of the offensive line at times uh, was a struggle. I think then that kind of led to some bad things happening for the quarterbacks. Uh, I have not had a chance to go back and fully watch the game. I know uh, one of the things uh, one of us is going to do is going to go back and go through all the throws and see what was good and what was bad. And 4 of 13 is sticks out like a, like a sore thumb. And – you know, one of them was the 98-yard pass. It was third and eight on the two-yard line. And uh, Fields uh, was able to roll out to his right and stay alive in the pocket and uh, threw a deep ball about down to midfield. And uh, Ben Vector, you know, with all the uh, size and athletic ability of anybody who's ever played the position, went up over a walk-on and took it and, and took it the rest of the way. And that's kind of the one play that Justin Fields is going to hang his hat on. I think, uh, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, Got to see much more consistency, I think, out of that. But in a real football game where <clears throat> they have to honor his ability to run the football, I don't think uh, things will necessarily be uh, quite as difficult throwing the football, let's just say. I mean, they could drop into a zone or – you know, we saw Baldwin made the mistake of throwing into double coverage twice and got uh, intercepted. So, um, you know, I don't think uh, you'll be able to do that when you have to honor 
what Fields uh, brings as a runner. You're going to have to have another guy up in the box probably to spy him. So long story short, uh, there were some positives. But again, I think that uh, they've got a long way to go uh, between now and August to get uh, get on the same page and continue growing their understanding of the offense. It seems to me that could probably be uh, the, the number one thing right there. So it sounds like you're <laughs> the fans out there that are pretty concerned. Sounds like you're, you wouldn't really talk them off the ledge. It's like you might you might need to be concerned. Like not that this not that Justin Fields isn't talented. You know, we can talk about Matthew Baldwin too. Had a ton of reps playing for both teams. I mean, we got much better look at Matthew Baldwin. I mean, Justin <laughs> Fields only had like 13 reps total. Matthew Baldwin or 13 uh, attempts, I should say, total. Matthew Baldwin had like 32 total. Um, so if you're talking, if a you know fans asking you about Justin Fields, you're you're saying there is reason to be concerned here. I think so. I think that until he shows that type of consistency that they have to have, I mean, Haskins completed, what, 65, 70% of his throws last year. Uh, four out of 13 seems to me like it's like 30-some percent or something. I don't know. But at any rate, you know, the raw numbers don't look good. Uh, I know that um, Teron Vincent broke through one time and got his hand up in the air on a pass attempt and Fields uh, throwing hand uh, – hit Teron Vincent and uh, I don't I think Teron Vincent was just doing his job. I don't think there was obviously any malicious intent to hit the quarterback who was off limits. He was trying to deflect the pass <clears throat> and it was a mishap and he looked like he really hurt his hand, which it's hard to play quarterback if your hand isn't a hundred percent. So maybe that factored into some of his uh, wildness or some of his uh, inconsistency, I guess. Uh, Baldwin, to me, had great moments, and then, as we said, uh, threw into double coverage twice and was intercepted once by Reap and once by Wint. And I think that, again, this is a product of a guy who was playing live football, essentially, for the first time in, like, 15, 16 months. So he's shaking the rust off, and, you know, I – Again, I want to see more. I know people have posted on the message board that if it comes down to where they have to play Baldwin, it could be a rough situation. But again, this is just his starting point. This is not what he's all what he's going to be cracked up to be or Fields either. I think it clicks together when you have the right offensive line, the right scheme, the ability to run the football, and everything else. I think it's going to be uh, a much different scenario in the fall, I think, uh, for these guys. And, and the other thing you think about is the, the frontline wide receivers. They did play, you know, a good portion of the first half, but uh, he was out and there was no Jalen Harris. I don't think Chris Olave played. So it was a lot of the other guys in that receiving core that were out there trying to catch passes as well. Yeah, and let's get into one of those guys. Um, I, you know, I thought Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, he had you know, he he was playing for the other team, but still, he had he was tremendous. He uh, he was playing for the Scarlet, not the Gray, so he wasn't catching passes from Justin Fields. But Garrett Wilson will be catching passes from Justin Fields in the fall, presuming that, that Fields will be the starter, and I think he will be. Um, and I like Baldwin too, but I do think Fields will be the starter. Um, but Garrett Wilson looked really, really good, um, similar to what he did in the Army All American game, where he's just like or whatever it was, Under Armour All-American game. I get them all confused, um, where he's like basically almost jumping over guys, Randy Moss style. 
mossing guys, as they would say on, on NFL Live. But uh, um, Garrett Wilson's going to play a lot of football for the Buckeyes this fall, Steve. Yeah, I liked what I saw with him. Uh, he went up over seven banks and made that uh, touchdown grab in the right corner of the end zone. And uh, you could tell uh, he and Jalen Gill, they were really pumped up to be out there making plays in the horseshoe. And those are two of the young comers who uh, are going to be part of this receiving core, along with Chris Olave. You can see the present right now with Mack and Hill and Victor and then a little bit of those guys. And you can see the future as well. And it's very bright uh, with uh, those younger guys that are coming on. And I, I think I speak for a lot of people that uh, you hope Jalen Harris, who wasn't in uniform or at least wasn't in pads, <clears throat> you hope that uh, – Everything's okay with him. Uh, he kind of was slow there at the end of spring practice with some injuries or whatever. C.J. Saunders was a go-to guy, I think, in this game as well, uh, which, you know, again, kind of fit the format. The starters didn't play a whole lot, so some of the backups like C.J. got a chance to show what they could do, and uh, he caught a touchdown as well. So I think, um, yeah, wide receiver and running back, I don't – it'd be hard to be much more impressed – I think with what you saw and uh, uh, and what you're going to see, I think in the fall, I mean, Mac uh, was impressive at times as well. So I think that uh, again, um, there's a lot to build off of. I think after this spring has come to an end. I'm glad you touched on Jalen Gill. He did play really well. Um, and you know, he's going to, he'll probably play a decent amount because they rotate those guys in there. And, you know, he's not going to be a starter because they love K.J. Hill, but they'll get Jalen Gill in there. And he he looks really good to me. And another guy that looked really good, Master Teague, redshirt freshman. They were able to get him out there a little, a couple of games last year, get his feet wet, still redshirt him thanks to the new rule. Um, Master Teague looked really good. Uh, you know, he's not going to be the starter. J.K. Dobbins will be the starter. But with Demario McCall being kind of a tweener and he's, durability seems like an issue with Demario McCall, I mean, Master T could be a guy that plays a decent amount this fall, Steve. Yeah, you make a good point there. Um, you know, I think between uh, J.K. Dobbins had a cameo. He had three carries, and and it was kind of cool. You could see when he would go into the line, it was like Jonathan Cooper would be there to kind of grab him with a hug and, and help him down to the ground. It was kind of like just put bubble wrap around the guy. Okay, we got you. Blow the whistle, you know, type thing. So he made his appearance. Everybody got to hear his name called. And then they got Crowley and uh, Teague in there. And for a spring game, they ran the ball more in a spring game than anything I, any time I can ever recall. And uh, I think uh, Teague had 75 yards and Crowley had 50. That's a pretty good day, I think, for those two guys against uh, Ohio State's defense. So I think um, uh, both those guys, Master Teague, runs really hard. Uh, Crowley, uh, Teague had been out and missed some time during the spring, and so Crowley got some primetime reps as an early enrolling freshman. So, yeah, I think it's exciting to see that, uh, you know, those two guys are ready. And that was something you needed to see this spring because there's no more Mike Weber. Uh, J.K. Dobbins doesn't have his running mate there. He split carries a lot of the last two years, and you wonder, is he going to be okay 25 carries a game? I'm not sure he needs to be. I think uh, I give him a solid 20 and get those guys in there for five or 10. And I think you got a, a dynamite package. And of course, you mentioned we didn't see DeMario McCall 
either get him healthy. At the end of last year, he was making some nice plays as well. So I think uh, he would be a great change-up back, I think, if you get him in the open field. Um, you know, I got to go to the coaches' clinic, and um, Steve Adazio was there presenting from Boston College. And, uh, you know, they run a little bit different offense, two tight ends and a lot of power. They've got, a, as he says, a 240-pound running back who's a freak. I don't know the kid's name off the top of my head, but to watch his cut-ups and everything got me excited about running the football. And uh, all you have to do with a guy like a McCall or a Dobbins is just get them a crease. And I think that Ohio State's offensive line, when it gets put together in the fall, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, we're worried. You people are worried about fields and whatever. If you're rushing for 200 and some yards a game, the passing will come. I don't. I don't have any doubt about that. So uh, I think. I think we're looking at an offense that's going to be pretty tough to stop when they get going in the fall. Switching gears to the hoops front, uh, Chris Holman and the Buckeyes landed the, the fourth member of the 2019. This excellent 2019 recruiting class, seven footer Ibrahima Diallo out of California, picked the Buckeyes over Pitt and a few others like Florida State. Um, talk about Diallo. What can fans expect from the seven-footer? And also, is is Ben Roderick, is there any chance he'll be a Buckeye at all? Well, uh, I'll start with Roderick. I don't think so. Uh, Coach Holtman talked about how he didn't really want to bring in five new freshmen. Now, if they were able to work out a thing where Roderick came in and redshirted, uh, perhaps, maybe that would be a, a workable thing. I, I just think the scholarship situation the way it is right now with only two available scholarships for guys in the 2020 class, uh, I think they don't want to take away from that. I think they would like to go out and get a pair of national top 50 or top 75 players in the 2020 class. So that kind of rules out uh, Roderick. It's been interesting on Roderick. I haven't seen a lot of Big Ten caliber schools come in on him despite how well he played as a senior. I know he took an official visit to Ohio University with our friend Jeff Bowles or was supposed to. So I guess we'll wait and see how that just happened. Bowles just got a commitment from a three-star kid who was on the cusp of the national top 100 to play at Ohio University. So that's a tremendous coup for him. Uh, regarding uh, Roderick, I just I think he's a very good player. Could be a guy that comes back to bite Ohio State in the butt for not getting him. Uh, I just I just don't think there's a spot for him because he would be the seventh guy between the two and three positions on the roster next year. And it just seems like a glut. I just don't know that uh, they need another wing in the 2019 class, particularly when you're already taking Gaffney, who I consider as a three anyway. So, um, so I would say no on Roderick, unfortunately, because I think he's a great kid and a very good player. Diallo, this is, you can look at it one of two ways. He's a project. Yes, I will. I will stipulate that to the court. So duly noted. But there's over four billion people walking the planet, and there aren't very many of them who are seven feet tall. You can't teach seven feet, okay? And he's athletic. He's athletic. He's athletic. Yeah. An athletic seven footer. He's not a slug. I watched him in the Big Baller Brand All Star Game, which was going on the same time as. Uh, I want to say the Purdue, one of the Purdue tournament games that went to the wire. I don't know which one, maybe regional final or the final four game. I know, it had to be the regional final. 
So the weekend of the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, I'm watching the big baller brand on uh, on the web just to get a sense of Diallo because it looked like Ohio State had a good shot at him two weeks ago when that game was played. And he's out there hustling in an all-star game where everybody else is jogging around and not playing defense. He's rebounding, getting putbacks. So is he limited? Yes. But he can come in and play five minutes in each half, 10 minutes total in relief of Caleb Wesson and be a rim protector, block shots, rebound, do all those little things as he's learning the offensive aspect of the game. Trust me, he's got good hands from what I could tell. If if DJ Carton can get into the lane and dump it to him, I have no doubt he can catch it and dunk it. So uh, that's really about all you need the kid to do. So I see a lot of people on our site, like, well, redshirt him or whatever. You know, did, did the Northwestern game, the Wisconsin game, tell you that if you don't have a legitimate big man on the back line of your defense, you're going to lose? Uh, they made Derek Derek Pardon look like uh, Kevin Durant. So uh, in that game, because Caleb Weston didn't play. So uh, I think that this kid fills an immediate void. It was the one glaring weakness on this roster. They have a two deep at every position except center. He was the only center on the team since Ladie left. And to me, Diallo, you know, you can poo-poo this all you want. Look at his national rating all you want. I've got one guy from uh, 24-7 who said that he's not a very good player. I don't care. You can't teach seven foot. And they needed another guy on that back line uh, to protect against whatever happens with Caleb Wesson. Great stuff, as always, from Steve Hellwagon. Thank you very much, Steve. And thank you to the listeners out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. I hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag. Best damn band in the land. Bye.